wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Maybe because he's Swiss, I don't know, in terms of European style. I can take you to Suplex City tonight, bitch. Can you say the alphabet backwards? Walk it with your ass backwards. You're not funny and nobody likes you. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This my way! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio for January 12th, 2016. I'm Graham Giusin Matthews. Another stacked episode here today. We're bringing you the first part of my exclusive interview with former TNA World Heavyweight Champion and current GFW Global Champion, Magnus Nick Aldis. He's going to be here on the show today. It was a long time coming. We were in talks many months ago back in September. The interview finally happened in November. And because the interview was so long, I had to split it up into two parts. So today we're talking about his new book coming out, his time with GFW becoming the first ever and current GFW Global Champion, his time with TNA, his tag teams with the British Invasion, as well as Samoa Joe, his time in the main event Mafia, working with Kurt Angle and staying what they saw in him as an up-and-coming superstar in that promotion. Winning the World Heavyweight Championship, being the first ever British-born World Heavyweight Champion in an American organization in over a century, and also working with AJ Styles, among others, during his time with TNA up until 2013. This is only the first part, so in the next part, next week, we'll be covering, in addition to Royal Rumble predictions and stuff, not Nick and I, but um, just myself, probably, but I'm talking about in the interview itself, next week we'll be talking about his departure from the organization, what he's been doing since, what the morale is currently in TNA, or at least what it was when he left about a year ago. So a lot of interesting topics will be covered. It was a great interview. I'm a huge fan of his, so it was a real honor to talk to him. One of the biggest guests that we've had here on WrestleRant Radio yet, so we'll be getting that interview here today on the show. Um, but the last couple weeks in general have been pretty great here on WrestleRant Radio. You know, just overall in the world of wrestling, the past 12 days just by themselves, from the rumors of AJ Styles, Suzuki Nakamura, Doc Allis, and Carl Anderson possibly coming over to WWE in the next couple weeks, months, whatever it may be. It's huge news. We talked all about that last week here on WrestleRant Radio with RJ. Um, the week before that, we had John Knapp on to review the 2015 WWE slash NXT Year in Review Awards. As you guys voted on NextAirWrestling.net, that was a great show, a 2015 Year in Review show. The week before that, we had uh, John Lewis on, the UFC fighter, to talk about his time in UFC promoting Checkpoint and whatnot, his upcoming movie release um, this Memorial Day weekend in a couple more months. That was a really cool interview. And even the week before that, when RJ was on our last show on Endicott College campus, we talked all about TLC, our experience at the event in person, that great week's episode of Monday Night Raw, NXT TakeOver London, and so much more. It's been a stacked month here on WrestleRant Radio, and it's going to get even bigger in the weeks to come. Like I said, part one of my interview with Magnus today, the former TNA World Heavyweight Champion and the current GFW Global Champion, and part two will be up next week as well. Um, Like I said last week, I don't think I mentioned it here on the show last week, but I have mentioned it on Facebook and Twitter and other outlets on YouTube and whatever. 
that last Monday I had the great opportunity to talk to current WWE superstar Ryback as part of my uh, as a part of my association with Hidden Remote as part of a conference call to promote SmackDown coming to the USA Network last Thursday. It was a great interview. I was able to ask him a couple questions about SmackDown and a few other things I personally wanted to know about the Nexus. One, you know, there being one world championship, and maybe if you brought it back to SmackDown, could help guys like himself and King Barrett, Dolph Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, so on and so forth. It was really cool. Ryback's been one of my favorites for about five, six years now, so it was a great opportunity to talk to the big guy. And the article's already up. It's already up on HiddenRemote.com. It went up last Thursday. If you want to check it out. And also, the audio should be available. I'll probably put it here on the show before I put it up on YouTube. And there's many other interviews from last year. I have not put up the audio yet on the YouTube channel because I'm just kind of busy doing other things. And they will be up at some point, I promise you. Um, the interview, the audio of the interview that I conducted with Ryback from last Monday should be up probably one of these weeks where we're not doing anything, if that makes sense. If we kind of run in a, in a kind of a gap in the schedule and we can't record the show, whatever. That's what happened. That, that's what happened with the uh, the Jericho interview. I conducted that back in March of last year. It didn't make WrestleRant Radio. It didn't make the airwaves until September, and that was only because RJ and I couldn't re- you know couldn't record a show that week, so I just recorded it in my dorm. So just be on the lookout for that. It'll probably just be up at a, at a, you know on a whim at a last minute notice, whatever. And I'll keep you guys updated. But you can check out the text version, the written version of the interview up right now. On HiddenRemote.com, talking SmackDown, the Nexus, One World Championship, the brand split, working babyface versus working heel. A lot of great stuff. And one last quick plug before we get to the interview here today. You can go to the Cruise Control Podcast, at Randy Cruz on the Twitter. has been tweeting out links all week long. It was a great uh, opportunity, a great time to be on his show. Always awesome talking with Randy. We broke down the Royal Rumble, Raw, AJ Styles. And it was recorded right before John Cena's injury. Um, you know, was reported by WWE.com. It was mere hours before, so we did not talk about that. We but we talked about everything else in between. It was a great conversation. So be sure to check that out as well on the Twitter at Randy Cruz. He's been tweeting out links all week long um, at the Cruise Control Podcast. So without further ado, guys, enjoy my interview with Magnus Nick Aldis, the former TNA World Heavyweight Champion, the current GFW Global Champion. Let me know what you think. Tweet me on the Twitter at WrestleRant. Tweet him at Nick Aldis on the Twitter. I believe is what his Twitter handle is. It might be different, but Magnus on Twitter. Um, be sure to check him out. Let him know how you like the interview. Let me know how you like the interview. And stay tuned for part two next week. Without further ado, folks, here it is. Enjoy. All right, so we're back here on WrestleRant Radio. I'm Graham Gieson Matthews. On the line, we've got an exclusive interview with a former competitor on Gladiators, a former TNA World Heavyweight Champion, the author of the superstar body, Real World Techniques for Achieving Your Goals, out on Amazon now, first ever and current GFW Global Champion, and the artist formerly known as Magnus, quite the mouthful, Nick Aldis. Nick, how's it going today, buddy? You got a, quite a lot of things going on, so kind of going off of that, when you introduce yourself to people, what, how do you introduce yourself as the former TNA World Champion, I'm the current GFW Global Champion, you got a lot of things going on, so how do you really, uh, what's your kind of go-to line? Uh, well, when I, when I introduce myself to people, I say, hi, I'm Nick, nice to meet you, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, as far as, like, when I do, um, independent shows or, or for example when I just got back from a tour of Mexico for uh, for AAA and you know they 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 still built me as Magnus because they just you know and and we're you know we're okay with that you know Jeff and I have talked about that and said look you know until until uh, things start kind of cooking and rolling with 
it's global. It's like that's that's going to be how people know me, and I'm not and I'm not shying away from that. Like it's not it's not like I'm you know pretending that it didn't exist. You know, it's um and then sometimes I Mick Magnus all this. Like it really just depends on what the promoter wants. I'm pretty easy going with that side of things, to be honest. You know, like if if, if, if I was to say to him, if you think it's good for business to be well, so speaking of GFW, as the first ever GFW Global Champion, which you were crowned only a couple weeks ago, um, how has your time been with Global Force Wrestling so far? I, I mean, I can't say enough good stuff about it. You know, it, it's it's obviously very embryonic, and I think that maybe one of the one of the um, easy criticisms, I guess, um, that, 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 that Jeff and Global were running to is 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 that there seems to be not much happening, you know, and that, that and, and I can understand, you know, that that might be the impression. I think there's just, I think people have to understand what Jeff's trying to achieve with this. You know, he's not attempting to just start just another company and just start kind of, um, try, you know, trying to get by. You know, he's, he's really trying to do it right, and that takes a lot of time. Um, and, you know, the, the, the amount, the, the sheer sort of scale of investment required you know, today to, to make a, a wrestling product that compares, you know, that even compares to what WWE are, are putting out or, you know, or anything of that nature is, you know, the, the, the scale of investment is, is unbelievable. So, um, but, you know, from a um, culture standpoint, you know, the, it's just, I, I, I've, I've said it many times, I don't have any... Um, I don't have any ill feeling towards PNA or any, or, you know, any problems there. Like I just, I just mm-hmm. felt like I, I just wanted to move on and just try something else, just because I've been there for six years and I've been the champion and I've sort of worked with every everybody that was, you know, that I wanted to work with there. And I just, I just felt like if I was going to stay, then I would just be doing myself a disservice because, you know, I, I didn't get into the business to shoot for the middle, you know, and, and so I just. Um, decided I wanted to be a free agent so that opportunities elsewhere could, you know, I could know for sure whether I could have one or not, you know, because you never know while you're under contract somewhere. So, um, and just, you know, the first guy to pick up the phone was Jeff and said, I'm doing this, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I really, I want you on board. And there's, there's a big part of me that enjoys the, um, the other area of the business, you know, in terms of the planning and the preparation and the, you know, not, not booking or anything like that. I don't mm-hmm. believe in, in wearing both hats as a talent and, the, you know, as an app, but, yeah. but, you know, I enjoy that, that other side of things, like the sort of entrepreneurial side of the business. So it's, so, and, and obviously Jeff is, you know, is, is allowing me in on some of that. So it's nice to feel like real, like a really key part of the team. And obviously anytime someone gives you, um, you know, makes you their champion, you know, regardless of the size of the, organization it's it's you know it's a compliment it's a huge compliment because it's uh you know it's a it's a it's an endorsement to say like we think that this is the guy who you know who, who can represent us and um for me you know i i uh, i appreciate that and i and jeff has been you know for a long time has been a, strong, a very strong advocate for me in my career even you know within tna when he was still involved there before he was sort of removed from the decision making process well, what I think it's especially important now in wrestling is to be an alternative, which I think, you know, from WWE, TNA has, NXT has, I mean, it's still part of the WWE brand, but regardless, you know, Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, now GFW, 
And GFW, I think, is that kind of alternative. Like you said, not a lot happening right now, but it kind of seems long-term there will be. You have the next-gen division, a lot of things that make it different than any other promotion that's out there right now. Um, so kind of along those lines, Jeff Jarrett himself has said in the past that GFW will kind of create a boom in the wrestling business and kind of be different than everything else that's going on right now. How do you see the company kind of being different from WWE, from TNA, and kind of creating that wrestling boom um, that Jeff has talked about, he's, uh, talked about in the past? Yeah, well, I don't know if Jeff is necessarily suggesting that he's going to be responsible for a wrestling boom. I think he just anticipates that there's one on the horizon. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I can't I speak for him, but I think that that's, that's more what he's driving at when he said those sort of things. I think that he just anticipates that there's one on the horizon. So he's, you know, looking to obviously, you know, get a piece of that pie. And, and it is important because I'm as big a fan of WWE as anybody. You know what I mean? I, I grew up the same as many people my age, you know, my age, like I'm, I'm, I'm 29, I just turned 29, and it's like, I, I, I grew up like many people in my generation with, you know, at wrestling, you know what I mean, that's what we saw, especially in England, um, but as part of the business, you know, we can't all be at WWE, you know what I mean, you can't all be at WWE at once, mm-hmm. and, and uh, there's, there's an unfortunate area of the business, I think, now when it comes to the talent where there's a huge, huge majority of talent in the business, like upcoming talent, to whom it's like WWE or nothing, you know, and, and they sort of hinge their entire kind of happiness and success on whether or not they make it to that show, not realizing that, you know, that at some point it's just a numbers game. There's just not enough spaces for everybody, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, at some point or other, those opportunities may or may not come for everybody, but you can't, you can't waste your life waiting around hoping that that's going to be a thing because you, you might miss out on so many other, you know, being a part of so many other great things. And and that's in, in some ways that's kind of what I was looking at when I when I decided to to uh, to, to not sign another contract with TNA because I said you know I, I saw all this cool stuff happening. Lucha Underground is phenomenal. I think it's I think it's the best thing that's happened to the business mm-hmm. in a long time. And, I, and I've and I've and I have friends there, um, and I've, you know, I, I've had, like, I've talked to some of the guys there, and I, I just saw Chavo in Mexico, and, you know, it's, it's just so well done, and it's just so different. And that that's one thing that can be good. For me, I think the only thing I'm concerned about is that the anyone who's not WWE, they need to really avoid kind of falling out with one another, um, because... WWE has, basically has the whole pie. You know what I mean? Like, there's like a tiny slice of pie that's being, and that's now being divided up between a bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. And, which is fine, but, you know, if we spend too much time worrying about all the other people trying to get the piece of our pie, you know, then all that's going to happen is WWE's piece is just going to continue to get bigger and bigger. Um, And for me, I think that there's, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that these to be like super shows or like combined things or this and that, but I think that from the talent point of view, the talent need to understand like, is it really worth me signing a contract with, you know, XYZ? Like, I won't say who, you know what I mean, but it's like, mm-hmm. is, it, is it really in my best interest to sign a contract here and be exclusive to these people? Or is it in our better interest for us all to be available to, you know, to go and strengthen and make, it, make things better and get over? You know, I, I don't know. 
don't have all the answers, but but that's like something I'm I'm looking at a lot is is going like you know like all, there's a lot of companies that are signing guys to contracts, but they don't really have a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me, like the reason I didn't resign with TNA was because I just said like I know that you can't offer me what I was making before because you're not making that money anymore, and that that's fine. Like I don't resent them for that. That's you know what I mean. Like they if they if they had their way, of course they would be. So mm-hmm. it's like, but but for me, it's like I'm not going to sign a contract that then sort of prohibits me from making money, as opposed to you know enhances it. Like and, and that unfortunately is something that I think is happening a little bit at the moment. Um, but certainly uh, to answer your question about global, I. I from what I've seen, um, you know, from, from what they, in terms of the, the production and stuff, I think that the style is going to be a lot more kind of sports oriented in the sense that um, I'm not suggesting it's not going to be like <laughs> the AWA kind of pretty, you know, pretending that it's real or, you know, also like the, like the, the sort of those kind of shit, like the stuff that was on ESPN. <laughs> but it's, um, it's certainly going to be presented more along the lines of somewhere, somewhere between sort of UFC do with those kind of with those with those uh, structured interviews, you know, with individual interviews that are then chopped up and, and put together into packages and situations, and then there's any less sort of confrontational situations that can sometimes be a little bit insulting to fans' intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the, yeah. More of the more of the build is going to happen between two individuals speaking individually, and then having to wait for the the, the confrontation, um, which to me I think is is makes perfect sense. Um, and you know, some of the, you know, they've sent me some of the stuff that they've made, and you know, Kevin Sullivan, um, not that Kevin Sullivan, by the way, different Kevin Sullivan. He's the he's the EP for um, he's the EP for for GFW and works for TNA for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, just like that man, he he's a genius, and he just makes the most incredible packages with. You know, with with very limited stuff, like it's you know they they ask a lot of us to capture as much footage as possible, like working out, you know, um, being with our family, doing whatever, you know, like anything that sort of defined us as a, as a person, because they want to sort of document the stars rather than rather than make them. Does that, that make sense? Like they're not they're mm-hmm. not telling somebody this is your character, like yeah. your name is now so and so, and this is what you do. It's more like documenting who they are and letting that define. Where, where the character sort of goes from there. Um, and, you know, we, we it's, hard, it's a hard thing to do to go, like, to remind yourself, like, oh, maybe I should film this. But, you know, we, we Mickey and I, you know, we, we, we captured it. We, you know, we, we got a bunch of stuff in the can and sent it over to him. And some of it I would have to say to him, like, sorry, this isn't the best quality. Like, it's okay, you know. Like, I had a decent HD camera, and then I have, obviously, my phone and stuff. Some of it would be on that, and some would be on my phone. But, mm-hmm. but like, then I would see some of these packages they would make with it, and I was just like, this is amazing. You know, this is, like, really, this is this is a whole different, it's a game changer. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, this is, like, if this gets all put together properly, um, the, the footage from Vegas is, is fantastic. Like, when people see that, I think it's going to be one of those things where a lot of people are going to suddenly, like, a lot of people who have perhaps been making kind of sideways remarks about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the prospect of GFW. Like, I think when they see the stuff that, you know, the, the, the show that, like, the production value of the show in, in at the Orleans in Las Vegas, I think that's only going to be like, oh, okay, you know, shut my mouth. Because it's like, to me, I, I don't think that 
Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything in terms of the in-ring stuff. Like nothing is shot as well as, as the global stuff out of Vegas. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it different. Like I said, that's what makes you guys an alternative. And people can can check that stuff out on the YouTube channel for Global Force Wrestling. But kind of going off that, and this is going to sound like a random jump, but uh, shamelessly plugging your book, The Superstar Body, Real World Techniques for Achieving Your Goals, like I said earlier, out on Amazon right now. Um, so can you give listeners a brief, uh, a brief overview, you know, fans of yours from wrestling or otherwise, of what the book's about and if they aren't already aware of it? Well, basically... Um one of the things that happens, you know, I've written a column for FSM for a number of years, like it's going on like seven years now. And, um, you know, I, was, I always appreciate when fans have come up to me at different signings or, or you know, fan interaction things or just at shows or whatever and said, hey, I read your column, I really enjoy it. You know, I enjoy writing. And obviously after doing it for seven years, you know, you start to get better at it, you know. And mm-hmm. one of the things, I, I, you know, from through my website and through Twitter and, you know, everything else, the different social media things, one of I would... You know, quite regularly get asked, um, you know, work, like workout advice and, and nutrition advice. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, you know, like I'm certainly not the best body in the business, but I'm definitely not the worst either, you know. And and, um, uh, and it was just one of those things where it started to happen more and more frequently. And then <laughs> one day, like, I was, and I've been thinking about, like, well, maybe I could start writing some stuff down at least. I've been featured in Muscle Fitness a couple of times and stuff like that. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just start writing some stuff and then maybe one day I'll be able to do a fitness book, you know. And then um, I was at, we were in New York for, uh, for an impact taping one day and I was like getting ready back there. I think I had a few gears or trying it on or whatever. And Kurt Angle walked in and was just like, and Nick, like, you're always in such good shape. Like, what, you know, like, what are you doing right now? And I just, I just went, Kurt Angle is asking me like, what? <laughs> I do. Like, yeah. like, like, I just popped a look at him and went, like, you're asking me? Like, <laughs> why are you asking me? Like, you're Kurt Angle, you know? And he was like, oh, but you know, I mean, and I took that as a huge compliment, and that, and that was sort of the final kind of confidence piece they needed as far as, like, maybe I should start writing some stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I did, and uh, got in touch with a publisher who, who, who picked it up right away and said, absolutely, we want to do this. Um, the thing that, it, it, so basically, it's, advice on how to, you know, particularly, I think, you know, honestly, it's probably aimed more at, like, at, at, um, aspiring pro wrestlers than anything, you know, but, but it's really, me, I think there's a certain type of body that, like, for most of the time in wrestling, like, there's a lot of guys who I've met over the years who aren't even wrestling fans, or who are, like, very casual wrestling fans, who have, who have said, like, oh, man, like, you know, I don't want to be, like, really, really shredded, or I don't want to be, like, really, really big and jacked, but, like, like, wrestlers always have good bodies, like, that's what I want to look like, I want to have that, like, big and athletic kind of, you know, like, muscle, but, like, you know, still athletic and, like, still, you know, and, and lean and blah, blah, blah. And I think that there's a, there's a, there's a genuine sort of desire through quite a big part of the, of the population that want a physique sort of similar to a lot of ours. So, I think that was basically what I said was, you know, if you want to look like the pros, this, this is how we train. And it's got, obviously, I've written it. I wrote the whole thing, uh, with the exception of, I, one of the things that, make, that makes it unique to me, I think, is that I went and got, um, I got Kurt, and I got uh, Mickey, and I got Brooks Adams, I got uh, Dwayne Rodejo, who, who did gladiator with me, who is an Olympic silver medalist. I mm-hmm. got um, a guy called Nick Ehrlich, who's a, a trainer who works with, a bunch of different NFL players and NBA players and NCAA athletes. 
like a Ben Heber, who's the CEO of a supplement company. I like all kinds of, I leaned, I basically called in the last day and said, will you write a small, you know, passage for my book? So in, but so, so throughout the book, it's not just from me. You know, there's, there's a bunch of advice from a, a whole bunch of different people who know, really know what they're talking about. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, like um, a lot of people who are familiar with, or like, you know, or, or familiar with or British pop culture or with gladiators. But, you know, David McIntosh, who was on Gladiators and Me, who, who then sort of became quite a big tabloid sensation, you know, but mainly just for having a, a killer body, you know, and dating all these, you know, models and all this stuff. But he wrote a, a bunch of stuff for me, you know, because it was like, how many guys want to look like that? You know, it's like, this is what he does. And, it's, and one of the things is, it's like, this is the truth. This is what we really do, not this is this is like a half truth, or this is like you know sixty seven percent of it that's fed out to you sort of slowly by magazines and stuff because they don't want to give you they, you know if a magazine gives you the full information in one in one issue like why have you got to get what, what's going to cause you to go back and buy next month mm-hmm. you know so it's like magazines always have this kind of very stilted kind of information in my opinion where it's, a lot of the time it's like. Well, it's very contradictory. Like one month it'll say like don't do this, and then the next month it'll say like do only this. You know, and mm-hmm. it's all very like abby. Whereas this is more like, look, this is what works for me. It may not work for you, but it does work for me. And this is what works for this guy, and this is what works for that girl, and this is what works for this guy. Like, this is the reality of it, and this is why it works because here's the science behind it. Like, I don't, I don't overwhelm you with science, but at the same time, like, you have to understand some of it. You know, like with mm-hmm. things like. um Carbs, for example, people are just, it's, it's really only just starting to filter its way into sort of mainstream information, which is very shocking because it's like such a, it's such a necessary thing to know. But, but you know, people still don't have a, a, a clue about what the, what the real implication of it is. Like people just suddenly go like, oh, I don't eat carbs. And you go like, you don't eat any carbs? Like, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, that doesn't make sense. But that's because people just get told like, oh, carbs are bad. You know, like, and that's yeah. it. And it's like, this is, uh, if you understand the process that happens when you eat them, like with your insulin and your, you know, and, and your insulin resistance or your insulin sensitivity, if you understand that, then you can, you're in control. Like, that's the purpose of the book, is to put you in control. So it's like, if you want to get bigger, you got to get bigger, you want to get smaller, you want to get leaner, you know, it, it's all there. And it's in plain English, and it's in sort of bite-sized chunks. So, I'm very proud of it. Uh, what do you think wrestling fans of yours will get out of reading the book? I think that um, it's, it's fairly entertaining, even if you're not um, necessarily, you know, even if you're not necessarily obsessed with wanting to, you know, have a killer physique. Like, it's a pretty, it's an interesting, you know, if you're interested in the business and you're interested in the people in the business, then you have to understand that this, this is a huge part of our lives is how we take care of ourselves. So, Reading, you know, for Kurt, Kurt absolutely gave me a couple of absolute gems for the book. Like, and it's so interesting. Like, you know, I sat down with him, you know, over a couple of over a couple of sessions, and like, we talked about Kurt. You know, Kurt gave me all this stuff about his mental preparation, his mental focus. You know, anybody who knows Kurt knows, like, this guy is like a machine. Mm-hmm. You no, know, he's not. There, there are certain times where I've, I've been in the ring with Kurt, and there's times where I've just been thinking, like. Holy shit! Like you know, this like I, this, this is this is a whole different level of athlete, you know, <laughs> yeah. even even in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I got you know, uh, 
so I, I said to him, I want to talk, I want you to tell us about, like, what, like, what, mentioned Kurt Angle too and you were paired with him in the year of 2013 in TNA as part of the main event mafia alongside of course Sting and Samoa Joe um, what was it like being with uh, with Sting and Kurt a part of the main event mafia and did they handpick you apart to be uh, to be a part of that group in 2013 
I'm not sure if you get there, then suddenly, you know, a lot of things change, but that's a different story for another day. Um, but the, the, the name of Mafia was kind of, was certainly a very significant um, part of that. And I, I remember them just calling me a few days before and saying, like, we need you to go, you know, I don't, so they said, like, you, you have suits. And I said, I have AC. You know, and they said, well, you might want to go and get a couple more because we're doing another Mafia and you're the fourth guy. Because they'd already been doing the angle, I think. Mm-hmm. And even right before that match, you had that amazing match. And I tweeted you about this before. The match that you had with AJ Styles at uh, Turning Point 2013 in the finals of the Bound for Glory series. Great match. Do you feel like, I mean, ironically enough, was it a turning point in your career in TNA? I think it was a turning point in, in terms of the fans, like maybe. Because I think there'd always been a bit of a stigma of like, oh, he's like Dixie Carter's favorite and, you know, he's, he's just sort of had everything handed to him and he's just like, he's just boiled and like he's just a body, you know what I mean? And he's just like, mm-hmm. a lot of guys didn't even realize that I was a wrestler before I got cast in Gladiators. Like, I've been a full-time wrestler for like two years <laughs> by the time I did that. Like, but they just, they just assumed I was just some guy who did Steve Storm on TV and said, oh, give him a job. And I was too green and didn't deserve the spot at first. But worked very, very hard to improve and did improve, like, quick and, and picked it up. And, like, I think that by the time it got to that match with AJ, I think it got to the point where people were like, you know what, like, we've got to let this guy off the hook. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's it, been, been around for, like, five, you know, five years or whatever it was at that point. And he's, like, he, I'd had a great run with a tag, in a tag team with Joe and then had a great feud with Joe. Like, that really was the thing that put me on the map, I think. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and then when they just looked at, I, I was having consistently good matches with everybody, whether it was like Van Damme or like a, a big giant guy or like an abyss or whether it was like a cruiserweight, you know, I was having good matches with everybody and it was like, by the time it got to the AJ thing, I remember thinking like, it's me because I, was, I, was, I wasn't very confident that I would get a good reaction because I was like, we're, we're both baby faces and I went, oh man, they're going to kill me. You know, I mean, I'm going to go out there and like everyone's going to cheer for AJ. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was about, it was kind of 60 40. I, I wouldn't go as far as say it was 50 50, but it was close. You know, and I, was, I remember coming out there and going, wow, like, there's a bunch of people in this arena that want me to win. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's cool. And, I, and, and after that, and that is my favorite match. Um, but it's not well. It's not the best match I've had in TNA. I probably, I probably have to give that to, to a match I had with Jeff for a one night only pay per view. It was a match with Jeff Hardy and I want to say in like Bruno Rapids or something like that. It was a one night only pay per view. It was just very Jeff the man. But um, in terms of business, like that was the best thing I ever did in TNA because mm-hmm. the, the 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 way that that the, the finish, the story that was told with that match was perfect. AJ deserved to win, and I deserved to almost win. And because if I'd have 
won, it would have been like everyone would have fought it all over because they would have went, he's just being pushed. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's just, he's just another guy getting pushed and we don't like it. And AJ deserved to win it. But because AJ won and we had a hell of a match and then the way that it was laid out with me, like, sitting on the sitting on the apron was, like, you know, like, welling up, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like so, I guess, like, just kind of had enough of losing. But, you know, didn't believe that I came so close and didn't make it. That was, it was a perfect piece of business. And, you know, who put that? Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett booked that. And that's, and it was, after, and it was not long after that that Jeff was, like, removed from the decision-making process and stuff. And that was, that was kind of, for me, was, and it was ironically right around the time I was winning the title. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking. I remember thinking even then, like, uh, it's time for me to go. Like, I want out because you know this is just just the guy who gets it. You know what I mean? And this is a, like, you, if you if you can't see from from if you go back and watch like those that sort of period from like mid like you know like early to mid 2013 through the end of 2013, how good the show was mm-hmm. and how. And, you know, the talent that was being showcased and how they were being showcased and the, and the way the stories were playing out and, the, you know, that was all, and that was because Jeff's influence was back and then he was like, and then he was removed again and it was like, to me, I, I just, that was, that was when I said, this is, this is wrong and I want to be with, I want to be with that guy. Mm-hmm. Because that guy, you know, because he, that's, you know, you have to, you have to be with, you know, you have to be with the guy who's on your team. Um, but you also have to be with a guy who doesn't have an agenda as far as like playing favorites and and isn't gonna. Jeff's been in the business. Yeah, you know, Jeff's been in the business his whole life. He's a third generation guy, and it's like he understands. He knows. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't get boo boo face like when you know when one talent isn't like doesn't necessarily understand or agree with like one thing that's going on. He doesn't. You know, okay, fine. That's it. That's the end of your push. Like you know, it's he just he just sits down and goes, hey, this is, you know, this is where it's going and this is where it's going to work. Like, trust me, you know, like, it's a long, it's a long play. It's not just like, oh, we need to pop the ratings, so like, here's, we're going to do something else this week. Oh, guess what? Like, you're, you're losing the title and you're getting your push taken away. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, and, and that, that was, that was like the culture that replaced Gaff and I just went, ah, you know, it's time for me to move on. Like, I want to be with the wrestling guy. And then around that time, too, like you said, when you won the title, and we'll talk about the title right in a second, but the moment itself of winning the championship and becoming the first English-born wrestler in over, I think it was over a century, in like the early 1900s, in a major American organization to become world heavyweight champion. Uh, What was that like? To have that honor bestowed upon you? Because that's something that can never be taken away from you. Right. And you know what's funny is I didn't even think about that until afterwards. Because I didn't know until I got there, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like they'd laid out this big long thing to me, like this, you know, I thought think that this is where it was going, and I guess I can tell this story now, because it's long ago, you know, it's, it's, it's just a lifetime ago at this point, but um, actually when when uh, Sting and I wrestled about the glory, uh, the outcome was supposed to be different, um, and it was Sting who said, no, like, that's not right for business. Like, this isn't right for business, and this is what we're going to do. And, you know, he tapped out for the club release in the middle of the ring. Um, 
like I said, that's, that's the most the most important moment to me personally um, in my career. But something he said afterwards was, I think, even you know, perhaps even more important was that he came back mm-hmm. and looked at them and said, "You just make sure that this means something. Like, do the right thing with this guy." Mm-hmm. And that was like. I, you know, I sort of understood what that meant. Um, you know, but 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 I just I just continued to just show up and do what I was told. You know what I mean? Like I just mm-hmm. did my job. Um, but I I don't know whether that whether you know whether that had any influence. But I can imagine that it may have done. Um, but I still didn't know until you know until the day I knew it was me and Jeff in the final, and I thought, well, you know, Jeff Hardy is. He's the only guy that draws the house, you know, for us. So, I mean, who am I to who, who am I to be upset if they go with him? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, he's the best. He's the, he's the best for business. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I've thanked Jeff for the house before, like legitimately. You know, you hear those old stories about guys thanking Hogan for the house back in the eighties. Like, I did that with Jeff mm-hmm. because there, there were times where it was very obvious to us, like the only reason there's anybody here is because of that guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, um, I, my ego is, is healthy enough to admit that. Um, but when it, when it happened, uh, I just, you know, I was, I just wanted to have, my, my, my only focus was having a good match because it's like, you know, the first time you win the title, it's just, you know, if the match isn't good, then like that's, you know, not going to happen. It's going to be a terrible start, you know, it has mm-hmm. to be a good match. And it was a it was a strange match, you know, with like a cage match, but then you had to go out of the cage and climb the ladder. I thought it was kind of a cool concept. I wish it had a different name. Yeah, the Dixieland thing. Yeah, right, right. Like, like I thought the match, the actual concept of the match, was pretty cool. You know, like you have to escape the cage first, then you have to climb the ladder. I thought that's you know, it's pretty clever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got a concussion in that match, like very early on. Like, mm-hmm. I've told this story before, and this is, again, something that no one knew at the time, and then they were like, why are they doing this? Like, why do they keep doing all these run-ins? And, like, why are they, like, why is he not allowed to, like, win by himself? And, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had, a, I had a really horrible concussion, um, and it was just a freak accident. You know, like, Jeff didn't hurt me. It was, it was just a freak thing. I just bonked on the top of my head and got a concussion. I didn't know where I was. Like, I was just going on, like, autopilot. And Jeff, bless his heart, like, you know, completely, like, helped me through the whole thing. Like, I've managed, I guess, you know, I mean, I've watched it back a few times and realized, like, I managed to just sort of still needed to be, you know, I'm still, I'm still where I needed to be most of the time. But, like, obviously that was a, that was a big no-no. You know, I came back and I knew instantly, like, there was something really wrong. And, like, Scott DeMore was there. And he was, because he was, like, my agent at the time. So he came in and, he looked at one look at me and went like, you're not right, are you? And I just, and everyone was like, all right, everyone get out of the way, like sit down, blah, blah, blah. So then that was why things were a, a little bit, that's why the stuff that we did, you know, after the first few days with AJ and everything, like, were, you know, were the way they were because I just wasn't in any position to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but once, once all that is kind of, once, you know, I recovered from that after a couple of weeks, like, luckily we had a big break, so it was okay. And it was only when I went back to England uh, for Christmas and then leading up to the tour and stuff. But I realized, like, what a big deal it was to everyone. Because I, I, I don't know if I even thought about it, to be honest. I don't even think I even thought, like, oh, I'll be the first Brit, you know. I didn't, 
maybe one first. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about the, the global title too. You know, it's like at the moment, it's, you know, it's, it's only what we make it. Not that it's a huge prestigious thing yet, but it's like, if it does become one, then I'll forever be known as the first one. You know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's again, like, no one can take that away from you. And, it's, and, it, and, that, and that is almost, you know, like I said before about being a champion, it's like, it's a, it's a sort of, uh, it's an endorsement. But to see the first one is a, a really good endorsement, I guess. You know, because it's like if you're the first ever one, then they go, well, <laughs> this is important. You know? mm-hmm. So, that, I, yeah, it, 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 both of those, you know, in, in that respect, both of those things make me quite proud. You know, and there's something good to look back on one day and go, yeah, that was pretty cool. Like, not bad. Thanks to Nick for joining me here on WrestleRant Radio today for a great part one of my interview with him. Part two will be up next week as as to why it ended abruptly. We'll be back next week with Nick to talk about his departure from TNA, losing the World Heavyweight Championship, where creative went wrong with him, maybe turning him heel when they shouldn't have needed to, going to GFW, um, a lot of new stuff that's been going on with him as of late, the morale in TNA at the moment, or at least when he left last summer. A lot of great topics that even gets... Even better next week with part two of my interview with Nick Aldis, the artist formerly known as Magnus, the current GFW Global Champion and the former TNA World Heavyweight Champion as well. So great talking to him. Be sure to stay tuned until next week for part two of our interview. Um, But in the meantime, though, we do not have that much time left. I do want to keep the show an hour here today. I don't really like going overtime all the time. Um, So I do want to keep it short, condensed, and brief, but there's so much to talk about that I'm not going to giving you know I'm not going to be going into my formal raw review. You can check that out at nextairwrestling.net. My full written review is up every single week, whether it's on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. My raw reviews are always up, regardless of how busy I am. They are always up um, whenever I'm done with them. But last night I did a live coverage of it during Raw itself. It was up shortly thereafterwards, so you can check that out up on the website. I'll be talking about you know my thoughts on Raw here and there very briefly in a minute or two. But in the meantime, I do want to run down a few. News and notes, some things that happened in the, you know, in the world of wrestling in the past week or so that I did want to get my thoughts on. First and foremost, it was announced yesterday via WWE.com that Sting will be the first inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame over WrestleMania 32 weekend in Arlington, Texas. A great get. Obviously, you know, very cliche to say, but Sting, a very deserving inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame. You know, a long time coming. I tweeted out the link yesterday to an article that I wrote on Bleach Report Interestingly enough, about almost exactly four years ago, it was early January, it was right after they announced that the Four Horsemen were going into the WWE Hall of Fame, you know, Ric Flair's um, second induction into the Hall of Fame, and at that time he was a part of TNA, so the whole article kind of focused around whether if Ric Flair could get an induction, you know, if he can get another induction with the WWE Hall of Fame, and granted he returned to the company, you know, later on that year anyway, because he was gone from TNA by like, I think May, so maybe like two or three months afterwards, after like the induction took place. But the whole question that I posed was that if Flair can get an induction to the WWE Hall of Fame, maybe Sting can too, despite having never come to WWE. And by that point, I thought it was, you know, the chances of it ever happening were slim to none. I thought 2011 was his last chance to ever come over. And of course, that was not the case. He would sign with the company in late 2014, debut at Survivor Series, and then come on over for WrestleMania. And I think he worked that show without a contract. I watched his documentary only a week or two ago. I asked for it for Christmas. I got it. Watched it like the day after Christmas. It was a great documentary. I strongly recommend you check it out. It was really well done. Um, I think he said he was working all that time after Survivor Series without a contract. He sure as hell wasn't contracted when he was um, doing all those appearances, you know, for 2K15 or, 
yeah, 2K15 and all the um, you know all the all the other media appearances that WWE had him doing that summer in 2014. But anyway, it was a great documentary. Uh, my history with Sting, I've talked about it before. I was not a WCW fan back in the day because I was not a wrestling fan back in the day. As you guys know, I only started watching only about a decade or so ago, only back in 2008. I'm a very late bloomer. You guys know that about me. Anyone who doesn't, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. I don't control it. I'm happy I started watching when I did just because if I watched any earlier, I probably, I probably would have fell out of it by now um, just with so many other factors going on. But... Regardless, although I did not watch wrestling at the time that I was introduced to Sting, which is weird, I know, um, at my grandmother's house, she owns an N64, the Nintendo 64, a great system, which is still actually works, it's still um, in existence at my grandmother's house, it still exists, and it still works, I still play it from time to time, whenever I'm over there in her basement, whatever, because it still works, and she has the game, W or no, WWF No Mercy, of course, that's an amazing game, but also WCW versus NWO Revenge, I think it's a sequel to WCW versus NWO, whatever, but this game I thought was amazing. Like, the greatest thing ever. I didn't know what wrestling was. I didn't like wrestling at that time. I didn't hate it or anything, but I wasn't a wrestling fan until many years later. I would play this game for hours on end whenever I was over at my grandmother's house, you know, for hours and hours and hours. And the one character that always stood out to me when playing that game was Sting. He would come down from the rafters. His entrance was unique than everyone else's because he would come down from the rafters with a bat in hand. The only character to come down to the ring with the exception of maybe LaParca that had a weapon in hand when he came down to the ring. And it was the greatest thing ever. I would always play as him and I would always beat him up when we would do battle rails. That was the only match that we'd ever really do because it was always endless fun to have 30, 40 guys come in and just beat the shit out of him with the baseball bat <laughs> as Sting. So much fun. Uh, but of course, when he eventually came over in late 2014, it was amazing. One of my favorite markout moments in the last couple of years, easily, when he debuted at Survivor Series. And it was great. So I'm so happy to see him going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, and it was funny, too, because my stepdad actually texted me when the news broke yesterday. Um, it broke around 1 o'clock. He texted me about a half hour later. And he's not a wrestling fan. He's not even a casual wrestling fan. He'll just kind of pick up on things. If he hears things online and he'll, you know, message me about it or talk to me about it later on when, you know, later on when I see him, whatever. So he texted me yesterday about a half an hour after the news broke and he probably saw it on, you know, Facebook or something. You know how Facebook always has those trending stories. He said, you know, Sting is the first inductee in the Hall of Fame. Don't you think it's a bit premature considering he just signed with WWE last year? And I said, yeah, that's true. But the whole reason for his induction is not, you know, his two losses at WrestleMania and had a champions last year. It's because of his extensive work with WCW and beyond um, and all the other territories throughout the 80s and 90s. And he said, yeah, but it's, you know, it's the WWE Hall of Fame, not the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. And I said, you know, and he's got a great point. A lot of people have brought this up before and I keep on giving them the same answer. And I said, you know what? It is called the WWE Hall of Fame, but technically it's not even a Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. There is a Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame that I've been to twice. Cheap plug. I've talked about it here on the show before and it's a great Hall of Fame. They're actually just moving to Texas as we speak. But um, uh, it is a Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Not even a Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, but uh, whatever the hell we own, whatever the hell we want to acknowledge, Hall of Fame. You know, ECW, WCW are all game. They're all free game. Nothing is off limits when it comes to those two promotions. And even the stuff in the other territories. Whatever, whatever they own, whatever they have the rights to, whatever they have the footage to show they will induct them into the Hall of Fame. You know, there are people, a lot of criticism, I'm not talking about celebrities here, that's a whole other conversation for another day, about how um, there have been people in the Hall of Fame inducted 
that have never, ever, ever, ever wrestled a single match in WWE. Which, you know, I can kind of see the criticisms, but a lot of the stuff, you know, there is no set criteria for who goes into the Hall of Fame and who doesn't. It's very, very subjective. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with, oh, who's on, you know, my good side today? You know, because guys like Ultimate Warrior, Bruno San Martino, Bob Backlund, uh, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, just got inducted last year. All these people got inducted in the last two, three years alone. Before that, none of these guys were inducted, yet they were the biggest omission from the entire Hall of Fame. And I said many years ago, I would not consider the Hall of Fame, quote-unquote, legitimate until those people were inducted. And all of them have since been inducted into the Hall of Fame, which is amazing. Um, you know, you can still consider it illegitimate if you want. I can, you know, it still has its holes here and there, like Rick Rude, Owen Hart, who I do think will be inducted this year. Um, and, you know, after the DVD release, it always really seems like, you know, we put out a DVD on you one year, and the next year you're going to the Hall of Fame. It seems like that. You know, we had in last year, we had the Macho Man Randy Savage DVD go out, and then he was inducted in 2015. Or the DVD went out in late 2014. The Sting DVD wow, just came out this past year, and they're inducting him into the Hall of Fame. And they came out with two Sting DVDs, but this one was a documentary, whatever. And then this one with, um, you know, the Owen Hart DVD that just got released. I've yet to see it, but I've heard only good things about it. Um, you know, I, they're not on good terms with his wife yet, or his, you know, widow, or whatever, or his family. Um, I know it's the Brett, you know, the Hart family, whatever, but, um, especially his widow, Martha Hart, I believe her name is, they're still not on good terms with her, and, uh, but that hasn't stopped them from putting out the DVD release, she had nothing to do with it, so, I, I feel like, you know, if, if she's not gonna give it up now, after 15 years, and that's her own priorities, that's, you know, completely fine, but if she's not gonna let it go now, she probably never will. Or at least not for a very long, 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 long time. And even after maybe she dies, they would induct him anyway. So I don't think they're going to wait. I feel like they'll probably do it this year. He's not, you know, he's he, the Macho Man Randy Savage was the single biggest omission from the Hall of Fame ever. You know, I know people will say, oh, Vince McMahon and Undertaker, they'll be in eventually. Don't don't worry about it. Those people will be in eventually. Um, Macho Man was the guy that was the glaring omission from the Hall of Fame. They finally fixed that, this, you know, in 2015, this past year. Owen Hart is very much deserving. I don't think he's headliner material. Even with Savage, they didn't close out with him last year. It was um, it was Kevin Nash, it was Diesel, whatever. Um, they closed out with him because, you know, they didn't want to go off the air on a sad note because, you know, Macho Man isn't here anymore, which I thought was kind of dumb. But, you know, Kevin Nash's speech was pretty great, so I didn't really, you know, mind that too much. But anyway, going back to Sting, very, very deserving induction. I'm looking forward to seeing what his speech will be, and of course, the biggest question on everyone's mind right now after hearing the announcement the announcement yesterday is whether he is done officially as an in-ring competitor. You know, we'll never really know. I don't even think he'll address it in the speech itself. It's kind of like when Christian was on the Stone Cold podcast when they kind of hinted he was retired, but he never really came out and said that he was officially done despite saying in previous reports that he wasn't done wrestling, um, and then... Stone Cold never really asked him about it. Maybe they wanted to stray away from it. So that was kind of disappointing. They never really addressed it. I'm sure. I'm I'm getting ready. Not to be disappointed, but just I'm getting ready for him not to talk about his career being over. Because, you know, if they're not going to clear Daniel Bryan at whatever, however old he is, 35, early 30s, whatever, with a concussion, there's no way in hell they're going to clear uh, a 56-year-old man with a neck injury. You know, it's, you know, remains to be seen whether he's going to come back from it at all. You know, from an in-rank standpoint, he'll be fine health-wise, but if he's ever going to wrestle again. And at this point, I'd be fine. We got our match with him at WrestleMania. We got two matches out of him on pay-per-view. 
I know people say, you know, he should come back to, to win at least one match, but it's not a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. It is a bit disappointing that he's not going to be able to win at least one WWE match before he retires, but it's not that big of a deal where I'm going to be crying that if he retires, oh, he never won in WWE or at least on pay-per-view, whatever. You know, it's not that big of a deal. He can retire in peace if his health isn't really up to it. So anyway, we'll have to wait and see. I don't think they'll address that. We'll have to just kind of wait and see to see what his health is like. Um, We really haven't had that many updates. I know we talked about it on WWE.com right after the injury was suffered immediately following that of champions. Since then, they've, very, they've been very ho-hum about it, very quiet. You know, mum's the word when it comes to Sting's, when it comes to Sting's injury. So we'll just have to wait and see. You know, I'm not really worrying about it too much right now, but the bottom line is that he's going to the WWE Hall of Fame this year, a great get for the Hall of Fame, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing who else they induct, and I'm sure they're going to be making those announcements in the weeks to come. They usually do it every two weeks or so on the road to WrestleMania. Um, I was thinking yesterday about other inductees, and I'm thinking maybe Lemmy from Motorhead. That seems like an obvious one with his most recent passing. And he was involved with WWE a lot. You know, specifically Triple H and the themes for himself and Evolution and, you know, a few other pay-per-view themes. So he seems like the obvious celebrity um, induction this year. And they only do that just to get the mainstream attention. A lot of the people they've inducted have been worthy. Not, you know, the Drew Carey's of the world, but... Even the Donald Trumps, whether you feel like today, because of his recent views on, you know, immigration and politics and whatever, that he doesn't deserve to be in or he should be removed, you know, his contributions to wrestling, specifically WWE in its early stages back in the mid-80s, early 90s, was huge, you know, involving as well as, you know, WrestleMania 23 being a part of the biggest buy rate um, in WrestleMania history up to that point. So, you know, even him and guys like Mike Tyson, and all the others that have been inducted over the years are worthy, in my opinion, so I really had no issue with them being inducted. And, uh, you know, of course, Lemmy, I feel like, is worthy of a Celebrity Wing Hall of Fame place this year, as well as who else, you know, fills out the rest of the bill for the Hall of Fame in 2016. Sorry to say, like I said, Owen Hart, I feel like this will be his year that he gets inducted, regardless of whether they're on good terms with his widow or not. You know, that, that didn't stop them from putting out the DVD. I know the Hall of Fame is a completely different animal, but we'll see. And I think that's about it. I mean, I'm trying to think of other names that come clear to me, like very obviously will be inducted. I've heard Vader name. I've heard his name tossed around a few times, which would be great. He's long overdue for an induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. We'll have to wait and see, but I'm looking forward to seeing who else they announce for the Hall of Fame in the weeks to come. And that was Sting's induction into the Hall of Fame. Um, Other things going on right now. Like I said, I'm not going to go into full formal Raw review here. We're just going to be talking about random things. We don't have that much time left. Um, but the Stone Cold Podcast with Ric Flair that aired last night after all on the WWE Network I thought was really good. Not one of the most must-see ones. I think the fact that it was taped didn't really matter too much. I thought it was good. You know, that was kind of one of the biggest, you know, fears or criticisms when these podcasts were announced. The ones with Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, that the fact that they were pre-taped, they were pre-recorded, that they weren't going to be live, that WWE was going to edit them beyond belief. And they did edit them, but only with clips of Ric Flair, you know, his past promos and his most recent matches and stuff, not taking anything out. And if they did, you would never even know, because it was not obvious whatsoever. Um, But a great conversation if you're a big Ric Flair fan. It's a good podcast for you to check out. Probably nothing you haven't heard before, but it was an interesting conversation. Him and um, Stone Cold had some great chemistry talking about the plane crash, his days in WCW, why he left WCW, coming over to WWE, his final match with Shawn Michaels. So a lot of good topics covered. It really sucks that WWE won't acknowledge TNA, if only just because they can't bring up the obvious question. I don't think he mentioned it. I was kind of half paying attention. I was working on something else when I was watching, listening to it. 
but um, I don't think he brought up how he broke his retirement in you know elsewhere. He didn't. He, obviously, he's not going to say TNA, but you know Vince McMahon or Stone Cold brought up TNA that one podcast with Vince, you know, in late 2014. But other than that, they haven't mentioned it since. Uh, but in regards to Ric Flair, you know, he wrestled after WWE in TNA. I remember that it was right after the. You know, the new Monday Night Wars begin, I know, after those started, I know you can't see me, but I'm doing the whole quotation marks with my fingers, because it really wasn't a war, maybe it was a war for a night, and it was um six years ago to the day last Monday when that started, with Hogan coming over, and Ric Flair, and Jeff Hardy, and all these others, uh, Rob Van Dam soon enough, so it was a big deal for, for a time, for like a week or two, then after that it was kind of a joke, because there were really no, there was really no comparison in the ratings between Raw and then Impact you know, on Monday nights at that point in time, um, excuse me, but, um, what was they getting at, oh, yeah, but after that, you know, and the, and the weeks that followed, and the final few months that followed Impact going to Monday nights to kind of boost the rating, they did a few matches with Ric Flair, remember, they did him against, um, Abyss or something in a tag team match, him and Styles against Hogan and Abyss, it was very archaic, it was very odd, um, it felt very out of place, he had a match against Sting on Impact, I think, in TNA, in late 2011, maybe his final TNA match, which, thank God, but he wrestled a handful of matches in TNA, he just didn't want to give it up, but um, anyway, great conversation between Stone Cold and Ric Flair, if you want to check it out, available right now in the on-demand section on the uh, WWE Network, the SmackDown debut on USA Network I thought was pretty good, um, pretty good episode two, great title matches between Charlotte and Becky Lynch, and uh, Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose in the main event, above all else though, it was a good show, Good match between Del Rio and Kalisto, which I'll get to momentarily in regards to the Raw rematch for the U.S. title. The commentary, I thought, was fucking fantastic. I thought Mauro Ronaldo was awesome. And I had not heard of him before this. I mean, I had heard of him, of course, in the press release when he was coming over to WWE about a month ago when they announced it. That and... But that, that was it. I had never heard him. You know, I, I'd never heard his commentary in New Japan or boxing or MMA or whatever. Um, so this was my first exposure to him as a commentator, you know, especially in WWE as well as, as it was for everybody else. Great first night on SmackDown. Got a lot of positive feedback on Twitter. Um, I saw a lot of people tweeting about it and praising this commentary as they should have. He did a great job. You know, if nothing else, he brings a freshness to the product. We have a lot of great announcers. I like Rich Brennan. I really like Tom Phillips, but Mauro Ronaldo is far and away, far and away the best commentator they have right now. I mean, that's not even a, that's not a stretch. That's not an exaggeration. Name me one commentator in WWE, NXT, you know, superstars, whatever. That is better than this guy. We have some good commentators, like I said, Tom Phillips and Rich Burnham. I think are very, very good. Um, even Corey Graves and NXT is good as well. But um, I, I don't think anyone comes close to Mauro Ronaldo, and I'll be writing an article about it hopefully at some point, but I feel like he can be the next voice of WWE. Michael Cole, believe it or not, has been here for almost 20 years. 20 fucking years. Which, you know, depending on who you're asking, may be a good thing or a bad thing, but he's had a lot of longevity in this business. Even Jim Ross was not here full-time for 20 years. He came in in 93, and he left in 2013. That's 20 years, but... A lot of that time, he was away, he was gone, you know, he left in 09, 2010, and then um, he wasn't a part of the product for a couple of years, so Michael Cole at this point has outlasted him, not saying Michael Cole is better, not, you know, that's such a dumb thing to say, but um, Jim Ross is my favorite commentator of all time, but Mauro Ronaldo is great, I think he's doing a great job on SmackDown, the, the first episode of SmackDown they called on the USA Network is awesome, I'm hoping the renewed focus for SmackDown sticks, 
And I've said this before, but they've done this time and time again where they, you know, you get a new toy and you love it when you first get it, but then after a while it just kind of dies down and just becomes just another toy and you stop paying attention to it and it goes to the wayside. That's what SmackDown is. Every year it feels like at least once a year they go through this process that, oh, SmackDown's this big deal for a month. And then after that it goes back to being what it was before, just an irrelevant B-show. So I'm hoping that's not the case. I hate to sound pessimistic because obviously that's not the way I think or, you know, aim when it comes to wrestling or just life in general. But it's just a common thread, a common theme throughout SmackDown throughout the years that they treat it like a big deal for a month. And then after that, it becomes just another show. So I'm hoping that's not the case because the first debut episode was really good. This week, they've already announced, you know, a tag team match between Sheamus and Kevin Owens between Dean Ambrose and... Neville, which is good, which makes sense from a storyline standpoint. I'm looking forward to that. I think the first time that Ambrose and Neville have ever teamed up um, in a two-on-two tag team match. That's pretty cool. Um, you have that, a tables match between the Dudleys and, and the Wyatt family, which is awesome. You know, the Dudley boys are probably going to lose, but still our first tables match on SmackDown in over four years, as the commentator said. Um, I think the last one being between Wade Barrett and Sheamus on that um, SmackDown roulette show when they always used to do that theme and on uh whenever they were in Las Vegas they would typically do it for Raw but they did it for SmackDown a few times too but um anyway we got that on SmackDown and one other match too that I forgot about oh the U.S. title match we have uh, Kalisto versus Del Rio for the U.S. title and a rematch from Raw so I'm looking forward to all three of those matches should be a good show on Thursday and speaking of which before we go off the air here you know Raw on the whole was not a great show I thought it was an all right show some people Shat all over. I thought it was terrible. It's black or white for some people. It's either it was really great or it was really bad. Um, you know, Latin. I didn't really see anyone calling it a great show, but it it seems like whenever it's not a you know a universally praised show or not everything goes great, then it's a bad show. It was a middle of the road show. It was not a bad show compared to last week, which I thought was great. Um, this week was kind of it paled in comparison, basically, but it wasn't a terrible show. Um, I thought most of the stuff was kind of mediocre. I thought the women's stuff, Becky Lynch's promo was amazing. And the character development with the women has been great. The two matches that Charlotte and Becky had last week were awesome. They finally have a feud going on between the two where you can finally establish who's the babyface and who's the heel. That is fantastic. So that was great. Um, the main event between Reigns and Owens was good. The one versus all gimmick was kind of dumb, you know, especially considering it was only Owens in the ring and no one else. It wasn't like a gauntlet match. It was only Reigns and Owens. No one else got involved. So why not make it a Lumberjack match? You know, but that was whatever. Lesnar coming out and wiping out everybody, including Roman Reigns, and announcing... I mean, he didn't announce it on the show, but it was officially announced afterwards that he will be a part of the Royal Rumble match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. That was really cool. Great angle to close the show. That um, kind of brought a dead crowd to life. But um, far and away, the highlight of Monday's Raw was Kalista versus Del Rio for the U.S. title. Now, I have no idea what was in the water that day in November when they had that match um, in the, I think it was the semifinals in the WWE World Heavyweight Championship tournament that was going to culminate Survivor Series. You know, they had that their first ever match, and I was so excited for it, but it just, it was not a good match. It was a bad match. There was a lot of botches. They didn't work well together, and I was disappointed. I was very disappointed that it did not work out well for Kalisto, or the whole match was just not good. Yeah, I, like I said... I don't know what was in the water that day that caused them to have a bad match, but there's matches on SmackDown and Raw this past week, and the last week alone were great. The match on SmackDown was really good, and the match on Raw was even better. You know, most of it was pretty good action, but when it got down to the final few minutes, I was sitting on the edge of my seat, marking out, and I don't usually yell or 
go crazy when I'm watching Raw in my house just because I don't want to wake anyone up or whatever because it was on late. You know, 10 o'clock, some people are already sleep in my household. But um, I went nuts. I didn't, like, break a window or anything like I will when AJ Styles, or if he debuts, rather, in the Royal Rumble match. But it was still a great moment. I thought it was a really, really good match, an emotional win for Kalista, who they're finally getting more mic time to. Del Rio's promo beforehand was not great, it was alright, the mosquito talk, the mosquito talk was kind of stupid, um, but it was fine promo, and him claiming, you know, that and that he was the reason why John Cena's hurt was whatever, Del Rio has done that before when John Cena got hurt, you know, when he left after Hell in a Cell, when Edge retired five years ago, he took credit for that, so that's what his character does, that's what heels do, but I didn't think the, I didn't think the promo was, you know, um, anything special. But the match itself, I thought, was really, really good. If there's any one thing to check out from Raw this week, not even counting the fact that the title changed hands, um, that's not even including that fact. I'm just, you know, speaking solely off the fact that um, the match was really, really good. Nothing else was, you know, there were some other pretty good parts of the show, but if there's any one match to check out, it's this one. Kalisto and Del Rio worked very well together. There had been reports that um, Kalisto was going to take Cena's place in their U.S. title match at the Royal Rumble because Cena got hurt. And thankfully, they did the title match on Raw to kind of, you know, switch up the formula of the show. I can't remember the last time we had... When was the last time a title change... I mean, obviously, Roman Reigns, but before that... Um, the tag... No, no, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of the last U.S. title change we had on Raw. Let's see. You know, Del Rio won at Hell in a Cell. Cena won at Night of Champions. Rollins, SummerSlam. Cena before that, WrestleMania. Technically, Rusev won on Raw, but it was on the WWE Network, so I don't know if that technically counts. And then Sheamus won it on Raw two years ago, so it's been a while since the U.S. title chain changed on Raw. Um, I was talking to RJ back and forth about it via text. We both agreed it probably should have happened on SmackDown, just because, and interestingly enough, it's been three years, you know, it was three years to the day that the world title changed hands on SmackDown yesterday on the 11th, when Del Rio, again, coincidentally enough, won the World Heavyweight Championship in that last-man-standing match in Miami from the Big Show. Um, so I thought they should have done it on SmackDown just to you know, kind, of, kind of give us the feeling that anything had happened on SmackDown. It wouldn't have made that big of a difference. It would have been spoiled. I mean, people probably would have been like, oh, Kalisto won the belt on SmackDown, which, you know, in retrospect, maybe it was kind of, I'm kind of happy it happened on Raw. Unless SmackDown goes live one of these weeks like they did when, you know, right before Christmas was Super SmackDown. Don't do a title change just because it's going to get spoiled ahead of time, which I'm not a fan of. Well, you know, you can do a title change on SmackDown, but I don't know. I'm just speaking selfishly because I hate spoilers. But it was a great moment. I marked out. I was happy to see it. Kalisto, very deserving. I talked about it right here on the show last week with RJ that Kalisto will be a breakout star in 2016. RJ himself wrote in the article last week or two weeks ago on NextDayWrestling.net. Cheap plug. Check it out. Um, his bold predictions for 2016. And one of them was that Kalisto would be a mid-card champion. And he wrote that many weeks ago when Kalisto was still a part of the Lucha Dragons before Sin Cara got hurt, before John Cena got hurt. So it was a bold prediction, and he got it right 11 days in. He is the new United States champion. So a great moment. I'm very happy to see Kalisto as the new United States champion. And I tweeted out a picture last night, right after that happened, of the current champions in WWE with Kalisto... Um, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, The New Day, and Charlotte. And with the caption, the future is now. And I firmly believe that I feel like we have a great set of champions right now. I'm very nitpicky in that I look at the current champions and see, do these champions have chemistry? And I go back to that picture that CM Punk tweeted out five years ago at TLC right afterwards. If you, don't, if you can't get behind this, you will be left behind. It was a picture of him 
Daniel Bryan is the World Heavyweight Champion. Punk is the WWE Champion. Air Boom, Kofi Kingston, and Evan Bourne is the WWE Tag Team Champions. Beth Phoenix as the Divas Champion. Zack Ryder as the US Champion. And then Cody Rhodes as the IC Champion. I said, yes. That is a great set of champions right there. And we've had that a few times over the years. With a few people, like right after WrestleMania 30, I felt like we had a great set of champions. Right after WrestleMania 31 too. I mean, John Cena was interesting, but he wasn't a fresh face. You know, we have Kalisto, two-thirds of the New Day, excluding Kofi Kingston. But he's, you know, he only debuted in 08, so it's not, you know, he's not an old veteran or anything. But um, both members of the New Day, or two members of the New Day, Xavier Woods and Big E, Kalisto, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, as well as Charlotte, all NXT projects. Every single one of them um, all came from NXT. So Triple H, you done good, brother. You done good with the future of this business. And Kalisto... Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, The New Day, in Charlotte. And I'd be happy if Becky won the belt. I expect the WWE title to change hands at Royal Rumble. You know, he could always retain. You know, Roman Reigns could. Who knows? Um, we'll just have to wait and see. But um, there really wasn't, you know, uh, there's not really anything to complain about right now when it comes to our current champions. Roman Reigns is finally getting over. Dean Ambrose is immensely popular. Charlotte is finally establishing herself as a as a great heel. The New Day are the hottest act, probably, arguably, in the entire WWE right now. And Kalisto is finally getting his, uh, you know, just due as the United States champion. So we got a lot of great champions right now. I'm excited to see what happens in the uh, in the weeks and months to come on the road to WrestleMania. Because even with everybody being out right now, we still have a great current crop of champions in the WWE. So that's going to do it, guys, for this week's WrestleRant Radio. I didn't check the time, but I'm pretty sure we went over the hour mark, which is all right. I just wanted to talk about a few things, not give a formal you know, review of Raw. I didn't really talk about TNA at all either, but um, and I didn't talk about it last week, but I thought the Pop TV premiere was good. You can check out my full review of the show on NextAirWrestling.net from last week. Um, new review up tonight of tonight's episode on Pop TV. I'm hoping they keep the momentum going. I did not read the spoilers, but I heard they did a lot of questionable decisions at the most recent tapings, which is um a lot like TNA, but we'll see where this goes. I thought the debut on Pop TV last week was all right. It wasn't amazing, but it, it was good. Like I said, no talk about the here today on the show. You can check it out on Next Air Wrestling right here on the website at nextairwrestling.net under the calmest corner. And that's it, guys. That is WrestleRant Radio, the week in wrestling in a nutshell. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate your support. Every tweet of... Support all the, oh, enjoy the show, enjoy the interview with Magnus, enjoy this, that, the YouTube clips, whatever. Means a lot, guys. You guys are awesome. I have the greatest followers, fans, friends, family in the world. You guys are just amazing. So thank you so much for that. Every tweet that I've gotten over the past week, I've gotten a lot of people saying, oh, I enjoy the show. Check out WrestleRant Radio. Check out this article. Thank you for the articles, whatever. It means a lot to me, guys. Every single tweet makes a huge impact. Um, I know I say thank you, and I, I know I say, you know, thank you, and I appreciate your support a lot. It's By this point, it's very cliche of me to say, but it really does mean a lot. Like, every tweet means every, you know, every ounce of support that you guys show is just absolutely amazing. And I want to give back to you for all the support that you show me. I want to give, you know, repay you guys by putting out articles and videos and podcasts and interviews and stuff like that that hopefully you guys will enjoy. So speaking of interviews, like I mentioned earlier, next week here on WrestleRant Radio, the final episode before the Royal Rumble, I'll be breaking down the Royal Rumble pay-per-view with my predictions. Probably I'll be joined maybe by RJ or somebody else, or I might be just doing it solo. We'll have to wait and see. It depends what the uh, what the week looks like. 
But um, next week, the Royal Rumble Prediction Show. But even before that, we got my part two of my exclusive interview with the former TNA World Heavyweight Champion, current GFW, or first ever as well, GFW Global Champion, Nick Aldis, the artist formerly known as Magnus, to talk about his departure from TNA, losing the World Heavyweight Championship, where TNA dropped the ball on him, turning heel, whether it was a good idea or not, the turning point in his career, and um, so much more, and what he's currently doing now, and what his future goals are, and um, so much going on. So he actually just got recently married to Mickey James, so congrats to him. They recently tied the knot, so congrats to him. But anyway, part two of the interview will be up next week. Be sure to check it out. It's a great interview that you're not going to want to miss. So in the meantime, in between time, guys, as always, my shameless plugs, you can find me on the Twitter. Be sure to follow me at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook. Give the page an old thumbs up at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. Check me out on the YouTube. You can search up Graham.GSM.Matthews or just go to YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And this very website, be sure to check it out, NextAirWrestling.net, for my full reviews of Raw, SmackDown and USA Network, Impact, NXT, Lucha Underground that comes back in two weeks, which I am so excited for. And everything else in between, including Ring of Honor, Main Event Superstars, and everything else that I cover on the website. We cover a lot of content, thanks to John and RJ for putting up as much content as they do and contributing as much work as they do with RJ's two cents and John's jargon. A lot of great pieces up on the website, so be sure to check them all out. They're all awesome articles. So with all that being said, guys... Thank you for another great week. Thank you for another great episode, another loaded episode of WrestleRant Radio here today. Next week will be even bigger with part two of my interview with Nick Aldis, Magnus. It's great, guys. So have a great rest of your week. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch you guys down the road.